Today we are celebrating Heritage Sunday, the day on which we recognize our heritage as churches once part of the Evangelical and Reformed Church. In 1934, the Reformed Church and the Evangelical Synod merged, both originating in the Protestant Reformation and including mostly those of German and Swiss heritage. The Reformed Church was long called the German Reformed Church, in fact, and has deeply pietistic roots. Pietism was a movement that emphasized individual holiness and a commitment to living vigorously the Christian faith. The Evangelical Synod was a movement grounded in Arminian rather than Reformed theology. Its works were largely in support of funding hospitals, retirement homes, and orphanages. This church was originally called Salem Reformed Church, telling you which stream it came from before the merger. This church excuse me, um, was founded by the Reverend Franklin W. Smith, who was of German heritage and often would preach bits of his sermon in German, then translate them into English. In 1957, the Evangelical and Reformed Churches merged with the General Council of Congregational Christian Churches to form the United Church of Christ. About 40% of the churches in this new denomination were formerly Evangelical and Reformed congregations. When Salem was built, it was only a sanctuary with a potbelly stove and kerosene lamps. It wasn't until nearly a century later that the church came to know some of the modern conveniences we enjoy, like electricity and a furnace and running water. A century after Salem's first service, a Sunday school space was added. The pews in which you sit today were installed in 1945, with restrooms finally coming in 1957, the same year the UCC was formed. We couldn't have restrooms because we didn't have a well. And so once you got running water, then you could have restrooms. Why do I tell you all these details? Because I think it's important to understand from where we come, both as a church and a tradition. But more than that, it's important to understand where we are in the story God is writing in the world. Today's texts, too, speak to that story, reminding us of both the history and mystery of the Holy One. When we hear Proverbs 8, we are reminded that the Spirit of God is the foundation of the world. One small portion of that text reads, When he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep. When he made the firm skies above. When he established the foundations of the deep. When he assigned to the sea its limit so that the waters might not transgress his command. When he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him like a master worker, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the human race. Wisdom is the Holy Spirit personified. The poem is a beautiful depiction of creation, the point of which is that wisdom was there. She was always there. And she is always here, too. The story of human history is the story of the presence of the wisdom of God. She is at our genesis. The text tells us that God delights in wisdom, which, at least for me, is a different view of wisdom. Often, we think of wisdom as stern or even dour. But the end of Proverbs 8 portrays wisdom as joyful and playful, 
And what's more, the text tells us wisdom delights in humanity. Our history, then, is having been brought forth in joy and sustained in joy and in relationship with God. After the Proverbs text, we read more about mystery in Psalm 8. The psalmist's awe is easy to understand when we hear the words, When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have established, what are human beings that you are mindful of them and mortals that you care for them? Gazing at the heavens, the psalmist remarked at the massiveness of the skies. Today, we know that our galaxy alone is spread out over a 100,000 light-year expanse and is estimated to be only one of millions of galaxies in the universe. As the psalmist sang, his eyes saw only 0.001% of the 100 billion stars in the Milky Way. In gazing upon them, we simultaneously recognize the incomprehensible greatness of the Creator and our small and even consequential stature in the universe. The mystery of God is that with so much in the world that displays the glory of God, God would still confer the divine image upon humanity. Bonnie Pattison writes, One of the things the divine act of creating humanity after the image of God reveals is that we have a humble God. This mystery of God shows up in our history, too. Consider the Romans' passage. I'm going to read it all because it's only two sentences. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand, and we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. Notice with me how the humility of God is evident here. Because of the person of Jesus Christ, we have peace with God. Jesus Christ is the person in whom the history and mystery of God are most evident to us. I appreciate the use of the word since. Since. We are justified by faith. Not if we are justified by faith, not when we will be justified by faith, but since we were justified by faith, we have peace with God and we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And this is good news because Paul writes next of the sufferings in which we also boast. Now, we don't often think of suffering as something which to vaunt. But here we are given a view, a possibility for what suffering can mean if we choose to let it. Suffering can produce endurance, which can produce character, which can produce hope. And this is the hope that Paul wants for us because hope does not disappoint. And why does hope not disappoint? Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. The mystery of the Trinity, the interplay of the three in one, is evidenced in our history as a people of hope. I'm reminded of the words of Gabriel Marcel. The truth is that there can, strictly speaking, be no hope 
except when the temptation to despair exists. The soul always turns toward a hope it does not yet perceive, a light yet to be born, in hope of being delivered from its present darkness. Paul wants the hope in our history to remind us of the mystery of God. Finally, we turn our attention to the gospel lection in which Jesus speaks to his disciples. It begins, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot hear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. Jesus knew his time was nigh, and so he sought to comfort his friends with his presence. I love this example from Jesus, knowing there was more to say, but also recognizing it wasn't the right moment. We all know there are times during which there are facts to share and feelings to sit with and not knowing how to sit with both. Jesus promises that at the proper time, the Spirit will speak to them and through them, declaring the truth. The truth is that no part of the Godhead speaks independently or differently from the other parts. Therefore, in Jesus, we hear the Creator, and in the Spirit, we hear Jesus, and in the Creator, we hear the Spirit, and in the Spirit, we hear the Creator. This is the mystery of our faith, the divine dance, the univocal multiplicity. In the history of God's people, the mystery of the Eternal One is evident. We at Salem are part of this history. Certainly, there are broader questions about the future of the church and our culture. These are good and necessary questions. Yet the stream of God's people did not begin with us, and neither will it end with us. This is hope. What for us at Salem stretches back almost 140 years, reaches farther into the unseen, yet deeply felt past. As we celebrate our history then, let us also look forward to the work yet to come. We look forward to being used by the Spirit to do God's work in this place. We look forward to the places to which the voice of God will call us and that we will respond yes and amen to that call. Let it be so.